Hey, welcome to the North Texas Leadership Podcast. Me, I'm with Kyle right here. Uh, Kyle is uh, one of the great leaders in our uh, Youth Alive movement for the Sons of God. And uh, this is his home, and he's going to be here with me too and kind of help manage this. And um, the, we've set the rules up for our audience. As you're listening to us, we are going to deal with how to take camp to campus. And we're gonna do, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna start the discussion and then we're gonna have some live questions around uh, campus ministry and reaching students, unchurched students and all of that. So I wanna give you five easy principles on how to create campus missionaries. Because the number one way to reach camp is through campus missionaries. It's not just my responsibility as the leader to get on campus and to run everything. It's my responsibility to raise campus missionaries who will do that. That's our students. Like when you hear people say things like, hey, my campus is closed. How many times have we heard that, Kyle? I, I hear that like on a weekly basis when, we, when I do youth leadership stuff. Man, I want to reach my campus, but our campus is closed. There's no such thing as a closed campus in America. There's a closed vision, right? But there's in a, in a closed effort, but not a closed campus. Now, I know you're thinking, you're thinking, no, 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 you don't understand. They told, they told us we can't come on campus, but your students are on campus. It, it, some of you know Dick Brogdon. He is the leader of Live Dead, the originator, originator of Live Dead, founder. Dick Brogdon said to me just a few months ago when he was here stateside, if we sent missionaries to America and they saw how youth pastors do youth ministry, they would scratch their head and they would say, uh, why are you not in context? Why are you not on the campus? Because if you're going to reach your target, you don't start at the church. If most of us would just reach our church kids, we could, we could grow our youth ministry. But aside from that, then how do we reach our target? That's context. And our context are wells. If you look at the New Testament, in the Old Testament, our context of the wells. It's the center place of society. And our wells as youth pastors begins with the school. Teams, work, parks, malls, you know, etc. Like most of us are doing outreach in the church. Like we, we have an outreach, a three-on-three -three tournament at the church when we should be considering neutral site settings and context. So how do we create... Uh, Campus missionaries. I'm just going to give you the list, and then if you have questions on these, then you can line up and we'll take some of these questions because I don't want to talk the whole time, okay? Number one, teaching our students daily repentance. Okay, number two, raising students to have weekly devotion, which is Bible reading, fasting, and prayer. That's a spiritual discipline life. So daily repentance, you, you, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, then you take up your cross daily, or deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. So that's the, the, the second part, the weekly devotion is Bible reading, fasting, and prayer, teaching our students to have one hour a week with God. That's eight minutes a day. That's the ground floor. That's where we start. Third is monthly evangelists. Be doing monthly evangelism. And the goal there, Kyle, is to teach them to have a passion for the lost. Okay? To teach them to have a passion for the lost. 
What I ask students to do is to just one student a month is all you're praying for and witnessing to. One student a month. You choose the student at the beginning of September or whenever school starts, you know, uh, before Labor Day or after Labor Day. You choose the student and you witness to them for one month at school. And then we'll move on to the next, just sharing your faith. Annual mentor is number four. And having given an annual mentor in your life. And then number five is a lifetime of sexual purity. Because I believe key to this generation is when we can model uh, sexual, uh, godly, biblical sexual behavior to their friends. Because it is the dominant discussion on a daily basis in a teenager's life. So if we're not helping them have a lifetime of sexual purity, then it's going to be easy for them to lose that focus in their daily conversations with their friends when devaluing comments are made about somebody and they don't correct that. Say, no, no, we shouldn't talk about people like that. Uh, girls aren't objects, you know, boy, etc. So helping them in those five areas develops disciples. Now, each one of those can be applied to the campus in a, in a different way. When you, when you talk about, you can pull each one of those out and you talk about daily repentance. When students go through their school day and something happens and something goes wrong, instead of waiting for weeks or next Wednesday or Sunday for repentance, we teach them in the moment, immediate repentance in the moment. When the conviction comes, right, from that temptation, immediate repentance. Uh, teaching kids that that can happen hourly throughout their day. Prayer, reading, uh, fasting. Every Friday, I have challenged across our country, every Friday, students to take Fridays at lunch and to fast. Okay, every single Friday. Just skip, skip that meal and to take your Bibles, put them at the table in the cafeteria and read your Bible. You, like, I know we have SCA and I know we have First Priority and we have Young Life we have uh, all these other different ministries that we have, Youth Alive in, in those settings. But on a regular basis, we should be having students with their Bibles in the cafeteria at the table. And so what I've asked, and right now we have 920, I, I just checked this, I started in 2013. 2013 to 2019 is the teen decade. It only happens once in a century. Seven years every century, 13 to 19. I started in 13, and right now I have 920 students who have DM'd me, okay, who have direct messaged me that they are fasting and praying and reading their Bible at lunch on Fridays. My goal is 1,000 in those seven years. I know I'll get it. I had 44 sign up last week at the camp where I was at. And I know we'll have 40 kids sign up here. I know we will. One camp we had over 100 students sign up uh, last year. So, but the goal is in that, in that second thing, that weekly, is to get students having a weekly discipline, right? Uh, and then the, the, the monthly evangelism. What we're gonna challenge them to do is to choose one friend, Pick them out, and you serve that friend for the entire month, and you share your story with that friend for the entire month. And believe that if you are giving the effort, then the Holy Spirit is going to give the effort to give you prophetic conversations with them. Then the mentor is a coach, a youth pastor, a youth leader, a principal, 
a deacon, an elder, somebody. We're, we're wanting them, a teacher, to give their life every year to one person to speak into their life. Somebody they fear. All of us have, I have two people in my life that I fear. Okay. Two people that I have committed my life to. They can say anything to me at any time. And it's their responsibility because I've already chosen them and given them access into my life. It's their responsibility to give me words and me to just shut up and listen. I don't defend, you know, that kind of thing. So we need students that you are, like right now, do you have a student that you are pouring your life into? Okay, then that last area, the, the, sexuality. One of the things that I think has to be said in youth ministries today is we have to solve the gay, homosexual tension. We have to solve it immediately because there's so much tension. I can tell you story after story after story. You can go to, if you go to my blog at youthology.com, Y-T-H, short for youth, youthology.com, Y-T-H-O-L-O-G-Y.com. I have many, many hits. I've been blogging for 14 years, hundreds of blogs. I have covered this as recently as May, this topic. And I have tens of entries in that blog on this idea of the sexual revolution. So we have to address that. So what I'd like to do is to see if you have any questions in those areas, if you have any general leadership questions that you want to ask, we're gonna go there, maybe camp or campus, uh, maybe if it's a general leadership on how to raise the, these disciples that we're talking about, then we want you to line up and go to those questions. Um, and we, we, because we're recording this on the USB, we'll, we'll, we'll get this uh, pushed out there. So come right now if you have any questions and, and line up. I wanna take the first one that was texted to me this morning. And that question was this, when it comes to my access to the campus as a volunteer, how do I get on campus? What is my influence on a campus as a volunteer? Um, Kyle, I want you to speak to that too. I'm, gonna, I'm only gonna spend about a minute to 90 seconds on each one so we can get to as many as we can, okay? And then I want, I'm gonna say it and then I want you to respond to that too. I think as a volunteer, the easiest way is for you to get into extracurricular activities. Now, that would mean asking your church to purchase a sports pass or to give you an all access extracurricular pass for band competitions and theater and those kind of things because then you can fit those into you may not be able to fit those into the daily schedule of going to the going and meeting with students after school because you're still working or you have uh, you um you, you have work so you can't go at lunch or whatever but if you will look at the extra your extracurricular involvement there are many opportunities. Here's another, here's a second one. Go to practices on the way home from work. That will take you 10 minutes, 10 minutes to on your way home, stop by a middle school or a high school, go up to the fence and watch baseball. Just for 10 minutes, wave at the kids, right? And, just, and that's every Thursday or every Wednesday or whatever, so that you know that's not taking you away from your home anymore. And what happens is, because I've seen this with my volunteer leaders, what happens is that student waves at that, right? They see them and their other friends go, who's that? Oh, that's one of my youth leaders, right? So Kyle, what would you say to that idea of 
getting volunteers on the campus or influencing the campus? Yeah, there's a lot of ways. One of the easiest is just going to the cafeteria. I know a lot of campuses are closed. Cafeteria says, no, 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 you can't. There's still a lot that are, so you need to find out in your local context if you can go to the school. There's still some of your cities that will let you bring in food. Not in the big cities. They're already contracted out to big food markets, but you still may be able to bring hamburgers or pizzas or burritos or tacos to your school lunch. School lunch is one of the easiest and fastest ways to get into campus. I'm wearing also a logo on my shirt called FCA. Youth Alive in Texas is a strong partner with FCA. We have a program that I help direct actually. It's called Character Coaching. Character Coaching is what Jeff is talking about, an initiative that allows you to get into the sports teams. You have a state right through UIL to become a character coach. It's state approved. So you can go connect with the softball team, volleyball team, me, the golf team. Whatever team that you're kind of uh, attracted to in a sense, you go talk with that coach. We can work that out, get you approved, and you can be a character coach, go on their games, go on their trips, be there at practice, take them Gatorade, and even get to really challenge them in a character level. Good. The other thing that you just dropped, dropped in, into my mind too when you're talking about that is I, we get athletics because that's kind of our background. You know, we're still legends in our own minds. Right. Yeah. Playing through our kids. Yeah. 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 Um, one of the things that will help too, let's say you're a musician. Get involved in the band. Get involved in doing one-on-one, -on -one, like solo lessons, personal lessons, uh, choir. I, I know a youth pastor who goes to choir every Friday and because he, he, this is like his big thing. And he, he, because he's opened himself up, he sings the national anthem at games. I sing the national anthem at over 100 basketball and football games. And people go, who's that? You know, it, obviously that's the hardest thing in the world to do. But then the kids get to know you. So use your giftings to get on the campus. Uh, refing and officiating games, and, you know, that, although that can really be bad yeah, in, yeah, the, yeah. In, the, in the area. We hate you. We hate you. Never come to your church. <laughs> we are not coming. Remember that one call? <laughs> right? Okay. Uh, we have our first question. Identify yourself and where you're from. Uh, my name is Michael Loftus, and I'm with Elevate Church in Murphy, Texas. Great. And uh, my question is about uh, appropriately campus ministry, but it seems that uh, we, we live in a district that's really favorable toward churches. So it's not really a closed campus, so to speak, closed vision. Yep. But the, um, the obstacles that I seem to run into is that we don't have a whole lot of young adults who would more naturally become youth leaders in our church. And whenever we do have them, usually for the summer, campus ministry or mission, ministry to teenagers is a lot easier. Okay. Well, when we go to the school campuses, it's almost like the ministry is just me showing up and talking to these kids and having great conversations and relationships yep. about God and Jesus. But only recently have we had a few students, really two primary students, who are now leading on their school campus that are really doing a lot. But in kind of a humorous way, but I'm kind of serious, but it's also like, right, it's right. like everything I intentionally try to do to raise up a leader blows up in my face. And sure. then all the stuff that I do, like, it seems like these two students who are really killing it on campus ministry, it seriously seems like it has nothing to do with me mentoring them. Like, sure. I mean, so it's kind of like, I know as youth pastors where I'll have like false views of like our own ministry and stuff because like we see all the, you know, obstacles. But I'm wondering what are some intentional, practical things we can do for, you know, you're talking about reaching church kids. If we just reach our church kids who go to the youth ministry, what are some intentional things I can do so I don't actually 
Maybe I can repeat stuff I'm ignorant and doing well. You know what I'm saying? Sure, to raise up the campus missionary. Right. Yeah. So think of those five things that I just talked about. If we could, if we could model in our own life repentance, saying as leaders, man, I'm sorry. I blew it. I blew it there. I was late. I jumped on you. Whatever. Go through each one of those. If we could model to students. I told all of my students when I was a youth pastor, this is when I pray. And I know we're not supposed to say that because Jesus said that in Luke chapter 11, that when you go to pray, don't tell people what you're doing. You know, I know that. We're not, don't go to the street corner. But with the, my circle, I, it's accountability. And I told all my kids, this is when I pray. And if you ever need anything, text me. You know, I gave the Lord 16 years ago, the last hour of the day and the first hour of the day. So 11 to 1 a.m. because I'm not a morning person. And that's okay. David said, early in the morning, I'll rise up and seek you. Well, I do. At 12 o'clock to 1 a.m. <laughs> but not 6 a.m. Hello. Um, that's Reggie Dad. Reggie gets up and prays at 4 o'clock in the morning every morning for 90 minutes. So you've got to have a prayer discipline because that, I think, that modeling that excites teenagers and gives them something to shoot for. So if you went through those five practical things, that's how we raise campus missionaries. Us evangelizing. When you're out with a student and you want your kids to reach the school, if you can't reach the waitress or the waiter, why are we telling them to reach our school? Yeah. I, every, I Uber and Lyft, okay? Because I don't have a car. I'm not, I haven't grown up yet. I don't have a car. And so every, they're locked in the car. They can't, they're not leaving. What are they going to do? Jump out and leave the car with me? I witnessed every Uber and Lyft driver every time. Sometimes they don't say a word. Sometimes they're crying and I see it in the mirror. I've prayed with t- uh, 10 plus. So you have to model some of that also. What would you, is there anything in raising up those students practically, how would you answer Michael? Yeah, I would say that you've got to be intentional about it. Let, let some of your sermon series be about it. Focus on that on your Wednesday Good. nights. But even bigger than that, bring in a guy like Nick, myself, and do like a Saturday morning training. It doesn't have to be all day. It doesn't have to be a conference for three weeks. Maybe just a couple hour session where you Good. intentionally focus on it. And then I would say also with that training, Bring in other students, maybe from other churches that are even here or around right. the area, district. You can say, hey, Kyle and Nick, give some students. Great. They can come in and model this for my students and give them ideas. Nick, he didn't say it earlier, but he saw over 500 students saved on his campus. He was part of campus clubs, brought in seven projects. And there's a host of kids out there that are like that that can be the physical example, yeah. not old men yeah. like us. Yeah, peer-to-peer. But peer-to-peer, absolutely. The, the other thing I would say, too, with that, this is what a great – concept because sometimes we forget about how many good stories there are already out there so we've got to we've got to share those stories healthy leaders attract healthy leaders so get your other health get your other leaders who are leaders to invite friends and that could be a great leader young adults that are healthy are probably hanging around circles of healthy people so they might have relationships that way to do recruiting so my name's Chris, I'm in Arlington. Here's my question. What would you say to someone who has multiple schools in their city? Um, do you pick one, focus on it? How do you manage going to all of them? Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh yeah, we, I get this question every week when we do these things. Every week this question comes up. Okay, it's great if you live in a county and you only have you know three churches near you. The, the first church that I was in, out of college, we had six church six schools that represented it was right outside of indianapolis was, the second church that i went to that I was at 11 years we had 17 high schools and then if you add all the middle schools up it was over 30 
because there's multiple you know, schools sometimes, middle schools. So the, the way I did it was, uh, I, I knew that I couldn't. I tried to do in every semester, in, every, in, uh, in, the, in the, winter, the fall, in the winter, and the spring, I tried to get to all of those, personally, on campus. But I had to lead, use my leaders to do that. My leaders were, we had a list, we had the, the Excel spreadsheet, all of my leaders had to be on campus and had to have four touches with the students outside of church. A game, campus, McDonald's, Starbucks, whatever. They had to go, and every leadership meeting, we did a report on that. And one of my leaders who did the, did the, uh, the campus report would say, okay, turn your reports in. If I did it now, it'd be so much easier because we could do it on social media. They could do it through... Um, WhatsApp or what? There's different ways to, to keep that accountable. Um, an admin could help or whatever. But you have to split that up, and because if your leaders have a passion for that too, then you know that you're reaching as many campuses as possible. What we did every Wednesday night, I announced where my wife and I were going to be uh, that week. Hey, there's a big game between Granville and Jenison, or Central and Roosevelt. That was always the two big ones, you know, in my first church that we went to. The second church, I'd be like, listen, Jenison and Hudsonville are playing. Um, Smithton and, right, we're going to be at that game. So if you want to see us there. Leaders, where are you going to be? This is the beginning of my message, Kyle. I would say this. I would say, leaders, just shout it out. Where are you going to be? One of the leaders be at, hey, we'll be over at Roosevelt too. Uh, we're going to be at the middle school concert. We're going to uh, Saturday's track meet. It's a dual meet. There's nine schools there. Hello, you want to meet, you get your whole conference there. Now you got all your kids at the dual meet. Ideas that you would have in multiple school settings? Yeah, I would say it's kind of the circus act of the spinning plates. And Chris, you and I talked about yeah. this before. Get one, pick one that is the closest to your school where you have the most amount of students at. Get that up and spend a year, spend two years there. Yeah. Get that plate up and spinning. And while it's spinning, move to another one and let that spinning plate be taken over by some of your leaders or volunteers or interns and then move and move. You're not gonna be able to tackle 30 schools all in one school year, but if you can focus, make deep disciples, make great connections, spin the plate and then move on. Spin the plate Excellent. and then move on. There's a young man, uh, young man, <laughs> he's been in youth ministry 35 years, 34 years also. His name is Bruce. He's in Lincoln, Nebraska. He runs what's called Kaleidoscope. It's basically, you know, young life and all that in, in the schools, um, youth alive in the schools. But for years, he's been doing that. He's on 17, camp, 17 or 18 camps. His goal is 20, and he's almost there. I think it's two or three short. What he does as an individual, he meets personally in a month. He tries to at least be on the campus, even if it's praying and it's after, on his way home, he'll put his foot on campus and go, you know. That's his personal goal. But he's raising up what he calls captains which are campus missionaries. So that's how every Wednesday, every Wednesday when I told the kids where I was gonna be, now the kids are going, oh, that's my mission field. So I think it's gotta be reinforced like that on a weekly basis also. Uh, Charles Ann Cowboy Church out of Hallsville, Texas. Uh, my name's Aaron Montalvo. Um, uh, something that we got hit with this week and we, we kind of sort of suspected it, kind of sort of felt it in the spirit. Uh, we have some uh, kids that were uh, adopted by a uh, homosexual couple that brings them to church. Um, so how, how would we go about 
and they're they're like embarrassed to to admit that, embarrassed to tell us, and things like that. So how would we go about? You know, interesting statement saying they're embarrassed to admit that. Our question back to you: Are they embarrassed to admit that in the church setting, or are they totally comfortable with that, like in the school setting with their friends? You, you, do you know that yet? I don't. Not sure. Because here's what the first thing that we have to do is to get them to stop being embarrassed to talk about that in the church. You know, so I know we don't have a whole lot of time in the podcast. We're closing this down in about five minutes. Um, quickly, in, in 60 seconds, my story. My younger brother is gay. His name is Richard Grinnell. If you are in politics or government, you know who he is. He's the ambassador to Germany, the U.S. ambassador. He's the highest ranking uh, gay Republican in the party. And uh, he has a ton of access. He's a Fox analyst, uh, owns his own companies, etc. Grew up in these settings. He was a counselor in camps in the AG setting, just like this. Uh, but went on and chose the gay lifestyle. And I'm using that language on purpose, okay? And uh, we have an incredible relationship. We have this, this did not change our relationship, okay? It does not change. It just puts zero pressure on me. As a matter of fact, he tells me all the time, you need to watch it because you know that I'm up for the cabinet. You know, you know that I've got important positions on me. And I'm like, hold on, you're telling the preachers to watch how I'm living, right? We have this little thing going on, right? Um, why does that change anything? See, what has to happen is the church needs to be known for embracing sinners, right? Rather than judging sinners and saying, if you behave, you can belong. No, 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 no. You can belong. We'll work on the behavior in all of us. Because if we treated, if we, if we were fair, and I know we don't want what's just, but if we were fair when it comes to this, then what we would say is, oh, this person's a glutton. They can't come until they lose weight. Hello, I said that. Oh, this person's a gossip. As soon as you stop gossiping, about people, then you can come. But we don't do that, do we? We pick and choose our sins. And we pick and choose our standards for behavior and acceptance into the group. So that's the first thing that's gotta be dealt with, is the freedom. So real quick, young man comes to me last week. Head down at the altars, comes down to me, uh, right up, Look at, couldn't look at me and says, I got to talk to you about something. I said, you can talk to me about something if you look at me in the eyes. And I knew what he was going to talk about because he had, I had seen him for a few days and he had those uh, traits. And he kind of looked at me and he said, you know, I think I am. And he put his head back down again. I said, listen, I'm going to walk away and talk to somebody else that wants to talk to me. Look at me. This is what I said to him. I said, look at me like a man in the eyes and tell me what you want to talk about. And he lifted his head and he said, I think I'm gay. And he put his head back down again. I said, okay, you think, look at me. That's what I said to him. You think you're gay. Why do you think you're gay? And he looks at me and he says, because all of my friends told me that I was for the last five years. I said, oh, really? I said, look at me right now. I said, you are not gay. You're a man. God created you. And his, and his tears start filling his eyes. This is what he said to me. He said, nobody's ever told me that. That I'm not gay. Everybody just said, okay, fine, great, we'll just groom you that way. Then you're just going to be, right, the behave, the belonging versus the born, that whole argument, you know, born versus made, that whole argument. 
by the end of the conversation, which was five minutes, this weight is lifted off of this kid. Goes through, the, goes through the camp the next day, walks up to me as he's getting on his bus, for his, hands me a note. I got the note. Yes, I think the note is with me if I did if it's not in my other bag. I got anyway, if, I, I, I say that because I want to, I will show it to you. And he said, paragraph, thank you. I slept for the first time. I'm not in guilt, all this, right? So we have to be able to build this bridge of discussion on any topic the kids want to come to us on. So that's where it starts with getting the, the church going on a love crusade and accepting people. We have to love, we have to love sinners, not judge sinners. And it sounds so foreign, but we have to. That's good. Let's go last question. Last question. 90 seconds. Here we go. My name yeah. is Jacob. I'm from the Bridge Church in Idaho. Um, my question is, if you have a few core students that are uh, going to schools like outside of your region of schools near your church, um, should that be a focus on trying to get into those schools as well? Or should you just focus on uh, training them up as leaders to research schools by themselves? Easiest way to do I love this too, man. Especially in a county setting where kids drive a half an hour to come to church. Easiest way to do that is, is small groups. Plant a small group over there. Okay, and that small group might be after the service that night. Maybe it's getting later, but in the summer they can do it. You know, it might be small group is meeting uh, an hour before we leave for the youth service. We're all going to meet at this place after practice, or you know, I know practice is going to really push that. But if the kids aren't playing, meet because sometimes you'll do small groups on Wednesday, the, Friday, whenever you meet. Sorry, I'm going fast and I shouldn't. Sorry, I'm going fast and I shouldn't. Um, but having a small group in that setting. Sending there because now they can start reaching their friends and bring them to the small group, not necessarily a half an hour away. So I think we have to learn how to do youth ministry in different settings. Instead of saying, come to me, let's go to them. Instead of saying, come to me, let's go to them. Like yesterday, I'm talking to a youth pastor here whose senior pastor said to them, why don't you go to another youth group? Why don't you go? Because you're not reaching everybody. Why don't you go to a youth group on Thursday night? And I, and I know that this doesn't totally relate because this is a different setting to reaching kids in a different uh, context. But I know youth groups across the country because they, Wednesday night is not best. They do two youth group. They do two youth services a week. They'll go to Saturday nights. They'll go to Sunday nights and give kids options. If churches are giving options in our new church plants, then why can youth ministry not have two youth services in a week? If kids say Wednesday night's not good for me, it's a school night. Then do it at 5.30 on Saturday night before they go to the movies and before they go on dates. I know that you, I know what you're thinking, man, so much work. No, 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 just reproduce that a second time. Tell your leaders, tell your leaders they don't have to come on Wednesday. They can choose Wednesday or Sunday, right? And the more you give options then, the more people start, like when you first start out with the church plan, the Saturday night service, it never works, and then they quit after six months. Don't quit. Keep it there. Let a culture be built, right? So what I would say, and Kyle's going to finish, what I would say is go, go to a setting where you send small groups there, send some, a solid leader that's attractional, right? And then maybe you start a youth group over there in a church there that's open to you or another AG church that they're leaving because they weren't coming. Health. Satellites. That's good. Hey, guys, thanks for uh, being a part of this podcast. Thank you. Thank you. This was a great session. Hey, we all know that we have an opportunity to go reach the campus right across the street. Let's go do it. Signing off. We're out of here. Camp to campus. Headbutt. Bye-bye.